This is the Off Mic Podcast, a radio show about radio life. Here's your host, Drew Dalby. Hi, it's J.D. Lewis from CJ92. Uh, I've always preferred J.D. I don't like the Lewis part. I don't know what it is about radio that makes us all want to get rid of one of our names. I just, I, I just feel it's unnecessary. I don't know. Or maybe it's, it's like it hides you a little bit better, too, the single-hand moniker like that. I know so many guys, especially in, in rock and alt-rock, where it's just like, I'm either going to use my first name only or my last name only. It's just somewhere along the way, we all decided we wanted to be Cher. When I first, first started, uh, I used my entire full name. Like, I was Jonathan Lewis. Uh, and that lasted for about 13 seconds, and I realized that's a lot of work to say every time. So, <laughs> Before you were Jonathan Lewis on the radio, when did you first get the idea that you wanted to be in this industry? Um, I have had an uncle who's done it for like 30 years, something like that, I suppose, 20, 30 years, uh, in Saskabush. And uh, I always thought, Uncle Barry's got the coolest job. I can remember like thinking that from a very young age, even at like, family gatherings and stuff. I always thought, he's got the coolest job. Doesn't seem like he works super hard and he's got a lot of cool perks and stuff. I think I'd like to do what Uncle Barry does someday. And then, uh, I don't know, I just I became a really big radio nerd. I'm sure you've heard that before uh, a couple times. I, I just I was such a big fan of old radio dramas, like the ones they used to play on, on Ched and QR late at night. I'd stay up way too late listening to those. I'd tape them and listen back to them. I got really into sports talk for a while and uh, stalked Sid Smith on 630 Ched when he did Inside Sports when I was... 10 or 11 years old, something like that. And uh, yeah, then got a year out of high school and realized I hated renting cars and I should probably pick something and radio just kind of stuck. Did you ever talk to Uncle Barry and tell him that you thought that he didn't do a whole lot of work? How did that conversation go? <laughs> well, what was funny is uh, he, uh, the, my first gig, um, he was there uh, helping launch a brand new station. So uh, we kind of got to got to catch up, I guess, on that front. <laughs> and I was like, this is a little more work than I thought it was going to be. I mean, it's still a cool job, don't get me wrong, but it's a little more to it, I guess. Maybe you did work hard all those years. And now I'm like everybody else, right? It's like, now I hate it when I hate it when anybody says, well, you radio guys, well, you work like three, four hours a day? Right now I'm that guy. <laughs> Where did you end up going to radio school? The Academy of Broadcasting in Winnipeg. Um, in the basement of the Polo Park Shopping Center. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a real classy organization. <laughs> it was really something. I, it's, I, you kind of hear whispers, I guess, that radio school is kind of like clown college, and then you get there and you realize it's in the basement of a mall, and it basically is clown college. <laughs> so everybody says it. They went to radio school, picked up a few things. First job they learned way more than they ever did in radio school. Where was that first job for you? Uh, Drumheller, Alberta, uh, 99.5 Drum FM, the Valley's best variety. We played some terrible, terrible music, but just like everybody else, I'll say the exact same thing. I learned more in those first, you know, three to six months um, than I probably learned in the entire program, which isn't a slight on radio school. I just think, like, you, you either figure out pretty quickly that you're cut out for it or you're not, and then you start learning after that. I think radio school just teaches you if you're, whether you're ready for it or not or if it's going to be something that uh, you're going to be able to make a half-ass swing at. Well, you're a sports guy. It's like they always say, there's nothing, nothing's the same as game speed. That's exactly right. You'll figure it out pretty quickly if it's for you or not, I think. And 
you know, and it's like, like I tell anybody now uh, that's getting into it, you know, anytime we have radio kids in or something like that from, from one of the programs, I say just like find a small town like that and just try stuff because you're going to figure out uh, what works and what doesn't and if this is going to work for you. What was the station in Drumheller and what was your first shift? Uh, Drum FM was uh, the second radio station in Drumheller. They'd had a country station for forever, so uh, people were clamoring for anything that wasn't country, so it was actually kind of cool to not only like be there when a station launched, but to be able to offer something, I guess, to people that they hadn't had, even if it meant playing a ton of like Gino Vanelli. <laughs> um, and... Uh, I, uh, I did the morning show from, uh, well, I, I, like, you know, in, in a smaller market, uh, when you first start out, yeah, the morning show isn't, isn't 5 to 9 or 6 to 10 or 5 to 10. It's like 5.30 until, if you count the voice tracks, probably 2 in the afternoon, something like that. It's it's a, It used to be a rare club that guys like you and me were in, first on air job, doing mornings, because that just didn't happen like 20, 30 years ago, but it's becoming more and more the thing now. What was your thoughts on being thrown into the biggest day part right out of the gate? I think it gets you uh, gets you a feel for just about everything because you're probably doing your own news realistically. I didn't. I don't know about you. I didn't have a news guy. I was doing news. I was doing sports. I was doing the local interviews and stuff. So I think you're doing everything. I think the other nice thing about that is it frees up the rest of your day to you know go out and be community guy, which is is still a pretty important part of it. I think. So I don't know. I think I, I think getting getting your feet wet that way um, was just another indicator. It not only showed you, I guess, uh, everything that was going to come with the gig more or less, uh, but also was just another way of showing you whether or not you were cut out for it because let's be honest like waking up that early uh, isn't fun in a, in a big city waking up that early in a town of like five to ten thousand people will really show you if you like it or not and if you give a shit enough about it to to make it your uh, your gig i guess the greatest lie that radio ever told is hey you'll get used to waking up that early <laughs> yeah the biggest crock of shit ever like, <laughs> not even close man not even close so I love asking this question because people usually have fond or terrible memories of their first break. Do you remember the first time you cracked the mic at Drum FM? Not like not, not like super super well, only because I think I blacked out and uh, <laughs> soiled myself at the same time. Uh, I just remember being so 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 scared, and the break was probably about nothing. I probably introduced myself seven or eight times, forgetting I'd already done that. I probably gave the temperature five or six different times and talked about how excited I was. Um, I just remember it being so scary but at the same time like because you, you kind of get that same experience like anybody who says that that doesn't happen to them at a new station they start at each and every time is a liar like I, I really do think like you get those those same nerves and those same weird shakes every single time you know I thought what I think is so cool about that is you finish that first break at that new radio station whether you've been doing it for two minutes or you know like 10 years you stop and like you're still shaking a little bit but like I, I don't know about you I, I was almost laughing to myself like giggling and I just thought it was so so cool I'm like that is that is the coolest thing ever that that just happened and this is absolutely what I want to do I, th- I think for mine it was taking a minute and looking at the door to see if anybody was coming to take me off the air <laughs> and then when that didn't happen it was like all right I just made radio <laughs> I'm making radio right now. <laughs> you're right, though. That that's that's the other big part of it is that looking over your shoulder, like you're waiting for for there to be like a station manager, or a PD, or I mean, those are the same people in a small market banging on the uh, banging on the window, going, "You're out of here. We made a huge mistake." <laughs> yeah, waiting for someone to come to their senses and go, "What did we do here?" <laughs> so, how long did you last at Drum FM? About a year. 
um, which is, I think, about all the time someone should have to spend in a place like Drumheller. Because <laughs> you just, it's not, nothing against Drum. It's just, it's just a lot of dinosaurs for a year. So I spent a year there and then uh, went to Red Deer and was kind of the gopher and the, uh, the bitch, for lack of a better term, at, uh, at the Zed and KG for about a year there and a year virgin in Edmonton and then I guess almost five years here at CJ now. All right, well, easy on the fast forward button here. We're going step by step. <laughs> okay. Did you did you get much on air at uh, at Zed and KG? At first, no, 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 not, almost nothing at first, to be honest. Like, there was a little bit of fill-in. I was really lucky. There was a big run of guys having babies uh, <laughs> at the time, so uh, I got through baby relief. And so that meant uh, a little bit of evenings, a little bit of middays, some drive. Um, and then I landed weekends for a bit. So what was the cause that made you want to leave doing mornings in Drumheller? You said you were getting, you know, you were getting kind of done with being in Drumheller after a year. But most guys won't make that move for anything less than at least an on-air shift. I, it was kind of a, a, a weird, uh, what turned out to be perfect storm, I guess. Like, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to get a little bit closer to home, Uh my old man was going through uh, through some health issues, and I knew I wanted to get closer back to home, which is like the Red Deer area, central Alberta. So um, I wanted to be closer to home. Um, I felt like I was ready for a little bit more, uh, and I think it just happened to work out. You know, I, I had a, a bit of a foot in the door up in Red Deer, and it just kind of happened. To, it, it sure wasn't easy at first. You know, when when you're literally sorting CDs because the PDs decided he likes you enough to get you a few hours here and there to, to help you be able to buy pasta uh, and maybe the good pasta. Like, that's hard, man. I mean, like, that that was really, really hard to do, leaving what what at least was a pretty steady paycheck in Drumheller. But it wanted working out okay. <laughs> You know, it's it's weird to say it because this is the closest I come to back in my day when I talk about radio stuff. But <laughs> but kids now coming out of radio school, like that used to be a big in. Like you said, if the PD liked you enough to want to try and find some way to keep you in the building, organizing the always disheveled CD library of a radio station was something that they could get you to do is just busy work. And nowadays it's like, what are you going to come in and clean up the MP3s? I kind of wonder like what the equivalent of that ground level job is. I mean, we talk about it again, like to, to sound old and jaded and shitty, uh, the, like the back in my day kind of talk. We got to be careful we don't get into that too much, but um, <laughs> because I think that's a really slippery slope. But, oh yeah. But you're right. I mean, like, what what is the equivalent of that now? You know, of that make work project. I don't know what those are. Maybe that's dabbling, I guess, in street team and doing some just uh, fill in whatever work or running to get coffee or whatever that might be. But I do wonder what that what that ground level make work project uh, equivalent would be in 2016. So were you always a rock guy? Like before you went to Winnipeg to go to radio school, were you a rock guy or what was your, your personal preference? Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely a rock guy. Definitely a rock guy. And always told myself like I wanted to get to that. But at the same time, I feel, I do feel like I kind of understood uh, very quickly or, or gained the understanding that, you don't get to pick, and to be honest, I don't know how much it matters. Sure, your content's going to differ, I think, to a, like to some degree or another. But at the end of the day, I don't know how how much it matters. I think I've lost the attachment to you know which which songs are going to are going to play on my show. To be honest, I don't I don't know how attached I am to that. At the time, though, getting those first few on air shifts on the Z must have felt pretty awesome. Hundred uh, percent, especially like being from the like the Red Deer area. That that was peak for me as far as I was concerned. That was really what I wanted to scratch off the list. There, there, anything past that was just going to be gravy. Uh, getting to be on air in your hometown was was cool enough. I thought. 
um, and you know, eventually getting a steady paycheck out of it was was about all. I, I don't I don't want to say that was all I aspired to, but to be honest, I mean that was that was really what I needed to cross off my list. I thought it was funny too. I wanted I wanted doing some fill in on KG too. Uh, the sister station there because it was the same building and it was more hours and again like I don't know that I was necessarily tied to rock so much so I wound up doing uh, some time on KG and uh, my mom's a big KG listener big big country music fan so when the time came to make the uh, make the move to Edmonton <laughs> she was like I think it's a good idea I think you got a good thing here I'm like, oh, I don't know, Bob. You know, like it's, it's Edmonton. You know, I, I do feel like uh, Edmonton does need to take some precedence over Red Deer. And she's like, oh, you got a good thing going here, though, right? Like, you do weekends on KG. What more do you want, really? Don't be greedy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love to rub that in Mom's face, though. Like, I'm glad I got a little greedy, according to your terms, Mom. <laughs> yeah, don't don't reach for the stars or anything. You're working two <laughs> solid days a week on a great country music station. Let's just let it ride. Yeah, I mean, you got this nice side gig. Deal. DJing in a bar. Uh, <laughs> you've graduated to Penny Regatta from uh, <laughs> from Craft Dinner. Things are pretty good for you right now. So how does the Edmonton job uh, come about? Did they contact you? Was there a job opening that you applied for? Total fluke. Total asshole fluke. Um, <laughs> Tammy uh, Cole, my uh, my PD in Edmonton, uh, was driving through. Uh, Virgin had just, had just become Virgin in Edmonton and flipped from whatever it was before. For Easy rock. Knowing that. Easy Rock. That's yeah. I knew that. That's my yeah. era in that building was the Easy Rock <laughs> days. That's the only reason I, I know. So Tammy's driving through, and it just kind of started to formulate uh, that on air lineup. Uh, Pepper and Dylan were there. Uh, Tyler Hall was doing drive, but they didn't have anybody to do evenings. Uh, and as she's always told me the story, she didn't have anybody, and she was driving through Red Deer and flipping through stations, and uh, happened to catch a break that didn't suck, and then hung around and uh, <laughs> some weird quirk in the universe um some fluke in my favor she heard a second break consecutively that also didn't suck and uh she called me uh on the station line and said like do you want to come up and you know, do an air check in uh, in edmonton and we'll see uh see how you sound and i really thought uh, she was just jerking my chain but i thought you know i got nothing better to do on a monday because that's my that's my saturday so uh i went up and it, it stuck they did something right and that is the crazy thing about that Red Deer market. I mean, it has to be in Western Canada. If you're on your way up, it's got to be one of the best markets to land in before the majors because being smacked at right in the middle between Edmonton and Calgary, you hear that a lot. You hear about PDs that are driving through or, or just checking out Red Deer because they know if they want to go down and talk to someone or have someone come up and talk to them about a job opening, it's a 45-minute drive. Yeah, yeah, you're literally right there. And, and I met some great people um, that are either still in Red Deer or have gone other places. And it's funny, I think you can almost do like a six degrees of Red Deer, I think, um, maybe even fewer degrees than that. Just like I feel like a lot of the relationships I made in Red Deer, the friendships that I made are, are some of the more, like the stickiest ones now, um, six or seven years removed from that. I think that's so funny. So you get to Edmonton. You're now doing evenings in a major market fairly quickly after starting in the industry. So I'm going to guess that those initial shakes and butterflies you had at Drum FM maybe a little bit amplify the first time you hit the mic on 104.9? And I, I really like, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing there. Uh, I didn't really understand how I'd gotten the gig still. So that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And that was the most fish out of water I've ever been format wise. Like I really had to grab a, a crash course um, in all of it. You know, not just like the artists and the songs, but what the people who listen to that kind of music 
care about? Why, you know, what, what do they want to hear talked about? Um, and how do you sound like one of those people? Because I think those those people, just like any you know diehard of any format, are very quick to call BS on you. So you better sound like you know what you're talking about. Like you better know who Pitbull is, what he's all about, what he values. Uh, and who he spends his time with so that you don't sound like a moron introducing Pitbull. So it was a lot of learning in a, in a short amount of time. Yeah, if you don't know that Pitbull is on every single CHR and Hot AC track, at least for a second, they're they're going to call you on it. And that was right in the thick of it. Like, that was right when Pitbull uh, was was really, really, like, was quite literally everywhere. There was no escaping Pitbull. He was destroying artist separation rules across radio. That, and it's funny you say that because, like, I, I don't know if it, it, it must still be the same kind of problem uh, in CHR now. I, I, I wouldn't know. But that w- I learned how to do music when I was at Virgin in Edmonton. I wasn't very good at it, but I learned how to do it. And it was just an awful time for artist separation because it really felt like there was only four or five names making really big records. So you had, like, those three big Adele songs, those first three big ones, uh, right around the same time that Rihanna had, like, 48 singles out. Um, <laughs> you had, like... 262 Pitbull songs and that was basically it it was like those three artists is what it really felt like um, Taylor Swift wasn't really like a presence at CHR Radio yet I'm um, sorry to imagine she's kind of like the nightmare now but boy did I learn about artist separation and what a friggin headache that was see and now you you know this now being in radio it, it, or in rock I should say for some reason rock artists are just more polite they, they put out one single and then they wait six months and they go alright are you ready for another one and rock radio goes yeah sure I'll take another one Whereas CHR, they're just like, take the whole album and play it now. Yeah, it's 12, uh, 12 LMFAO singles per album. They were the other big ones, actually. That's probably not much of a reference now. I feel like LMFAO is not a thing anymore, but uh, they were the other one that were such a friggin' headache because it was. It was every song on the album is a single uh, or and will be remixed, so buckle up. Growing up in the Red Deer area, like I said, very, very close to Edmonton, you even mentioned off the top that there was a lot of Edmonton uh, stations and uh, jocks that you used to listen to when you first got this idea that radio was a thing. The crazy thing about Edmonton is how many of those jocks are still there and still working. Did you ever get a chance to meet some of your heroes? I always thought uh, like the cast of the Paul Brown show were so cool. Uh, and I watched them from afar, I guess, for a couple of different reasons. You know, one, because I was the evening guy, so you don't see a lot of the morning people when you're the evening guy. Uh, but two, because the Virgin uh, and the Bear are, are so, so different and at complete different ends of that building, if you know how that building is laid out. So uh, I really feel like I stalked that entire station, actually, not just the Paul Brown show, but like I stalked that whole uh, that whole outfit from afar. I just kind of kept my eye on them because I thought the bear was was super friggin' cool uh, as a rock fan growing up, and then you know as like a, as a radio guy being in the building. I wouldn't say I bumped into too too many people in the trap because I mean you've done evenings before too. I'm sure it's you don't necessarily meet a whole bunch of people when you're the evening guy because you have such weird hours, right? And you don't get to go to a lot of shit because uh, you work really weird hours, usually right in the thick of when all the cool stuff is happening. So uh, I will say that one guy I got to meet, um, and it's like it's the most embarrassing story ever, uh, was Daryl McIntyre because CTV's in that exact same building. And you know how there's a cafeteria downstairs. Best cafeteria on uh, radio. The best cafeteria in all of radio. And one of the only ones left in all of radio, That's I think. That's true. Uh, Robbie, uh, Robbie Gibson and I were down in the cafeteria one day and we're BSing about how cool we thought Daryl was uh, and about how we saw him through the window all the time. And we wondered if like they called him D-Mac around the station or if it was just Daryl all the time or Mr. McIntyre. And we did all this aloud. And the cafeteria lady, Cheryl, overheard that 
and assumed that we were like actually Daryl super fans. A little more so me because I was really gushing about Daryl. Like it was it was embarrassing um, if I'd known that anybody was listening that intently. <laughs> anyway, I say all that to say because I ordered my food and she would bring the food up to you if you were on air. So I ordered my food and I went back upstairs and she came back up with Daryl McIntyre and introduced me like I was like a, like a sick kid, honestly, Drew, or something like that. And she was like, JD, this is Daryl. Daryl, JD is a big fan like oh I, she was God. speaking that slow and i've never felt like more, more of an idiot like i really, I really thought daryl was gonna like tussle my hair and call me sport he was really cool about it uh but i just oh man the worst the worst so you mentioned that you you were keeping an eye from a distance on the bear how long was it before you were kind of thinking that a return to rock would be pretty awesome? I didn't know what he was going to be in the cards. I honestly didn't didn't have any uh, any indication that way because, I mean, CJ just wasn't on the radar for me personally. I, I didn't think it was really a possibility, and uh, because CJ's had the same kind of thing uh, going, I guess that the Bear has. There's been there's been you know a little bit of shuffle over the last ten years or so, but I really feel like um, when you land one of those gigs, you you hang on to it because I mean they're. You know, it's a gig people want. There's somebody coming for you all the time. So I, I don't know. Like I think I definitely remember thinking like that would be cool, but I don't remember ever thinking like that's a possibility. When was your first uh, conversation with the folks at CJ about moving down there? Ross McLeod left uh, left uh, TA. It might have still been the team then. I think it was left the team. Went down to Calgary. Um, I got called in for a meeting at like 10 a.m. And and I was working till like eleven or midnight uh, most nights. So I remember thinking that was weird, and I was probably getting fired because even then, a year in, I thought <laughs> I still didn't really uh, didn't really own the gig. <laughs> and I remember going into the meeting, seeing uh, Chad Martin's vehicle up front too, and I just remember thinking, I'm like, why are Tammy and Chad here? I'm definitely getting pink slipped. And then I walked in, and it was the two of them and Ross sitting there. I'm like, why is Ross here from Calgary? Like, is he here to restrain me in case I get violent? Because uh, I'm really not much of a violent guy. Um, he brought in muscle. <laughs> like, this is weird and probably violates HR in a bunch of ways. And then uh, he was like, do you want to come to CJ? And uh, I, I would love to tell you that I reacted in a really cool way, but I don't think I looked very cool at all. You know, because I just kind of blurted, yes! Um, (laughs) You mean the place where, you know, Jerry Forbes and Reaper work? Yes, yes, a thousand times yes, take me there. I was really excited. I didn't do a very good job of hiding it at all. I didn't play it cool. You're obviously on the morning show now. We'll talk about that uh, in in a little bit. But where did you start with CJ? Middays, which would have been about four and a bit years ago. So that was, I mean, that was... That was gnarly, man. I, then I was sandwiched between the two guys I, I just mentioned, right in between uh, Jerry Forbes and uh, and a guy with a massive voice, Reaper. And I just remember thinking, I'm like, oh boy, this. It's that same thing we talked about that first gig, and the same uh, thing I talked about uh, when I was in Edmonton. Um, I just really felt like I was leading a very tenuous existence, and I would just ride this thing out uh, until my luck ran out because this is crazy. You said you're not specifically tied to any format which for any young radio broadcaster listening is the way to be you're going to get a lot farther in this industry if you're not saying i only want to work at this kind of station but you also said that rock was your favorite thing so did you feel a little more comfortable in your own skin once you got back to talking about the kind of bands you had in your cd player at home 
I think it will always feel more natural, right? Uh, I think I think you can feign it uh, and probably feign it enough that uh, you know only the people closest to you uh, would know that you are feigning. Uh, but at the same time, I just think I just. I don't know. I think it's gonna it's gonna come across as, as way more natural, and you'll probably be able to speak a lot more not only to the music but to the content when it's writing your wheelhouse, right? Yeah, I just I just think like you know you go from being a, a dude who's having to do constant research on what he's about to talk about um, and feigning it to a you know to a reasonable extent to just talk, being a guy and talking about guy things and talking about music that's uh, already on your iPod uh, on your way home anyway. That's that's so cool, man. That's 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 one of the the best things about this gig right here. You use the word dude, which is a perfect tie, and I wanted to talk to you about a couple of things that you you have appropriated that word since you've gotten to CJ with a couple of bits that have really, well, one that has still caught on and one that I'm sad is no longer a thing. Let's start with the dude cast. Oh, the dude cast, uh, which was, how long did we podcast for? About 50 episodes, I think, over the course of six months, something like that, when Stephen Murray was still working here, uh, Steve the Grunt, uh, on Jerry's show. We'd end up having a lot of crossover time in the studio. We wound up shooting the shit about all kinds of different stuff. Uh, and I remember it's, I mean, it's as organic as, as most podcasts say they are. We were just sitting there one day, and one of us said to the other, I don't know why we're not just like rolling and recording this, you know, this, this seems like something we should, I don't know, maybe put out there and see if anybody digs it. And we had a lot of fun with it. And the thing I'm most proud of about the whole thing uh, was the imaging we had built for it uh, because we had a parody of Ramstein's uh, Du Hast, but it was Dude Cost, Dude Cost. <laughs> and I loved it. I don't get to use it anymore, which is such a bummer. Now, it was kind of ahead of its time because now you're seeing a lot more jocks that are throwing together these casts or these these after show extras or stuff like that and posting them on station websites and on station social media. But when you guys were doing that, podcasting was a thing. People were were doing podcast. I think this podcast was even on the air. But in terms of what you guys were doing, did you feel like you were kind of ahead of the game on that? Maybe a little. I, I think it's just such a, it's such a natural thing for us radio people to do. We're never done talking at the end of our show. You know, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know anybody that would say that that's how they are at the end of their show. I know I'm not. Like when it, when it's done, I still feel like I have a, a ton of stuff to get out. A lot of stuff either uh, because you ran out of time or because you were allowed to say that on the radio. So <laughs> it seems natural to you know if you don't have an outlet for it to create an outlet for it. Have you thought about bringing it back? I know that uh, Steve's no longer there, but have you thought about bringing it back in any kind of iteration now that podcasting, especially for stations, is becoming a bigger thing? If I could figure out who to do it with, yeah. Um, maybe it's because I'm notoriously hard to work with. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know who I would do it with. I guess I'd have to think about that. I, honestly, I, we sure had a bunch of fun doing it. We, like you do, uh, had incorporated music into it from time to time, so it was kind of a cool vehicle to push your own personal recommendations on people and tell stories and shoot the shit and uh, to do it all uh, with the ability to uh, to drop in curse words too was pretty cool. The other use of dude is one that continues to this day, and that is dude news. Where did you get the idea, or where did you decide that you were going to start doing dude news? Uh, I even did the proper googling before I started it uh, almost five years ago. I uh, and I didn't steal it from anybody. I remember like I remember like I came up with the idea, and the, like the whole shtick being, I mean, it's it's news, but it's not really news stuff guys talk about none of it is really hard well i know it's never hard hitting um it's just the kind of stuff that guys would be talking about on a job site and at the time i was 
doing a midday show. So you're talking to guys on a job site. So um, that was, I mean, that was the vehicle. That was the idea was what are guys talking about anyway? Let's put three or four pieces of that in the same place and uh, shoot the shit about it every day. Um, and I remember like going to Google that whole idea and that moniker, Dude News, and thinking like, well, this is already probably a thing. And it wasn't. <laughs> and uh, the cool thing is now that's that's still a thing. That's the only only a bit I have from my initial uh, list of inaugural bits when I got here. That's the only thing I'm still doing. And that I really don't feel has gotten stale. It's It's an easy thing to keep fresh. Whenever a radio person takes a bit, that has a, a cool moniker to it and does it for a significant period of time. Generally, when you go out to events or shows or bars or anywhere you might be recognized, people want to give you their input on it or, or start you know using it themselves. Do you get suggestions for dude news whenever you go out in an official capacity now? Yeah, or Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah, all, all the time. And I'm not even butthurt about it, really. I mean, some of the stuff... Um, because the way the internet flows is is stuff you wouldn't put in there um, either be, you know either because it's been around for a while and it's kind of stale um, or you just don't think it fits the model but um, I'm usually more pumped than anything and I'll be the first person to tell other people like hey make it your own you know if I could feature other people's stuff not only does it make my job way easier yeah um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know I, th- I think it makes it more special for the listener I, I, if if I anytime I made it on any any radio show I just as a radio fan I thought that was the coolest thing ever so i think it's the same mentality as airing as many calls as possible if people are feeding you content why wouldn't you put it on the radio and give them full credit uh because that's the kind of stuff that sticks in people's heads you talked about you know when when the the bell brass came up to edmonton to take you back with them down to calgary one of the first names you mentioned was getting to be in the same building as jerry forbes how did you end up sitting across from jerry every morning tell you uh, about the first day I got here just to go back like a little bit because this will this will speak to how intimidated I was uh, when I moved down here I had a girlfriend uh, who was like super super supportive of, of the whole radio thing we, we hadn't been together super long it was six months something like that and she was uh, listening online when I got here <laughs> and uh, uh, we, we go to do a crossover break and it's, this was literally the second time I'd met Jerry uh, the first time I'd been out in Canmore for a weekend just before I made the move and uh He's like, we should, we should go on air together. Like, that would be so cool. I'll try not to screw up, Mr. Forbes. <laughs> and he, he starts giving me like the, the Jerry Forbes third degree. Uh, and one of Jerry's favorite things to do is to try and see how quickly he can throw somebody uh, like me in that situation under the bus. Um, and I don't even think he was getting to the tough questions yet. But he, uh, he said, do you have a girlfriend? Uh, which I'm sure was setting up a way more awful question. And uh, I was so nervous and so rattled that I just blurted, no. And like almost immediately, my phone goes off, and it's my girlfriend, and she's like, "That's weird. When did we break up, asshole?" <laughs> <laughs> and I remember looking over at Jerry, and I'm like, "I hope you understand how intimidating and how cool you are, because that that is all your fault. What what just happened there? I didn't plan any of that." <laughs> um, how did it come to be? We had some uh, some turnover and some change and some, uh, some uh, yes, just. We'll just go with change uh, here at the station. And, you know, I'd, I'd been lucky enough to, to get to fill in for Jer anytime he was gone. You know, that kind of had become 
um, like a regular thing for me. And we had talked about it and they said, do you want to do that? And it was the same old thing all over again. Uh, I've never looked cool in front of Ross McLeod. That's the reality because anytime he offers me anything, I just go, that's going to be so cool. Um, and I completely lose my composure and meltdown. I need to start acting cooler. Uh, they asked, do you want to do Mornings with Jerry? And I said, yes, that would be the coolest thing ever. I would love to work with Jerry Forbes. I'd be an idiot to say anything to the contrary. We've been talking about the nerves of your first break at a new station. Were there nerves that first break sitting across from Jerry? Now that it's now that it's CJ Mornings, you know the Jerry Forbes show with JD. Were there nerves for that first break? Hundred <laughs> percent. I'd be such a liar if I said no. Hundred percent. There were nerves uh, just because I think like it, I mean you, we wound up doing a whole bunch more crossover breaks uh, in you know in the few years leading up to that. So it wasn't like I was you know new to being in a studio with him or new to hopping on the mic with him. But you're right. All of a sudden it was like no, this is this is our show and we're going to build our bits. Um, and it, it was just, it was a whole new degree of, of weird and crazy and, and really, really rad. I, I, I wish I had more words for it, but like, I just, I, I still tell everybody, man, I'll go out of my way to say it that like, you just never think you get to work with a guy like Jerry. And I, I'm so, so grateful to not only be working with him, but to be learning from a dude like that, because uh, you're constantly learning, you know, you're constantly uh, retaining new, new tricks and new information. And a lot of the time it's not even stuff he's consciously trying to teach. It's just a lot of times it's just, it's just getting a chance to observe a guy like that up close. Everybody knows Jerry in Calgary. I mean, he's he's a legend and not just amongst radio people. Like We all know him and go, oh my God, Jerry Forrest. I wish I could have that kind of career. But just the average Joe, even a non-CJ listener in Calgary knows who Jerry Forbes is and knows that he's got a lot of stroke in that building. So when you get on his show, everybody kind of knows that they probably asked him if that was okay, and he said yes. Did you find the listener reaction to you changed at all once people kind of realized that you'd gotten the Jerry Forbes seal of approval? Uh, yeah, I, I, like you're definitely you're just talking to more people. Um, there were still some people that asked me. Uh, and this really speaks to how people listen. I think I I talked to a lot of people that were like, "So where did you work uh, before you were with Jerry?" <laughs> I was the asshole right after him. It was about 20 minutes uh, down the road. <laughs> yeah, not far. Um, but no, I, I think you're right. There, there's a lot to be said for, for getting um, the thumbs up for the seal of approval or uh, the endorsement from a guy like Jerry. Um, once you have that, uh, not only at a station like this, but in uh, in a city like this, that goes so, so far. And that was so, so important. Um, and that's why I'm glad it happened, I guess, the way that it did. It happened organically, you know, because Jerry and I get along um, and I can call Jerry a friend and I think that comes through on the show and that is what's been so important to this whole thing working out because I mean like you know with with a new co-host you can know them as well as you like uh, it just takes a while to build that that mic affinity it takes a while man and it can be a real test of uh, you know people individually or a test of a friendship so <laughs> you know like there's been trials and there's been stuff that, that we've thrown up against the wall that hasn't worked and it's been frustrating but you know once you start to hit its drive with a guy like that that's that's so cool to, to have that happen with, with a guy you grew up listening to, that's it's wild and so cool. The other thing about Jerry being a legend is that it means he's been doing this for a while. And it's funny, before we started recording, I, I made the joke that you were the, the heir apparent at CJ in Calgary. <laughs> and you, you just, you I could tell from the awkward laugh, you weren't 100% comfortable with that title. But we all know that 
nobody's going to tell Jerry he can't be on the air anymore, but eventually he's going to step aside because that's what you do when your career is run as long as his has. Have you thought at all about what life is going to be like after Jerry? Weird. Quieter. Um, I'll probably be in less trouble. Not a whole lot less, but just a little bit less. Um, no, I, I, you know, I, I, to be honest, like I try, I try not to think about it too much because I really, like I just, I really do want to enjoy this for what it is. And that probably sounds like a cliche or a cop out, but it's the truth. You know, I, I really don't want to, I want to, I don't want to devalue what's happening right now because I think, I really do think whatever happens next, I'm going to look back on this and be like, God, that was so fucking cool. It was the coolest. I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that was the thing. So I don't know, man. And I'm, I'm I'm in a real good spot. I'll just I'll ride it for now. That that's enough for me right now. I think uh, there's obviously a, uh, this station's been around for uh, coming up on 40 years, and uh, you know to stay one format for 40 years is is really really something. And it speaks to the uh, the power of the brand here in Calgary. Uh, CJ is a big thing. Uh, you know, Jerry's a big part of this community, but this radio station is a huge part of the community as well. And as long as I can be a part of this radio station, uh, you know, I'll just I'll feel like a lucky asshole. I generally ask around this time of the interview, what's next, what's left, what the the goals are. But you just kind of said like you're you're not really focusing on that. Do you see yourself in Calgary as long as they'll have you, or are you still? Because there are bigger markets in Canada with you know Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver. Do you have your eye on those kind of places, or, or like you said, is it just you know what I'm good right here, and we'll see what happens? I don't think you want to be complacent. You know, I think you I think you want to be careful that you don't ever just grow too comfortable, uh, especially when when a gig in a city are really really cool. It's easy to just settle in and say, "Nah, I'll never go anywhere." So I definitely don't want to be that guy, and I'd be lying if I said. We all have one eye open. Oh, I, I really believe that. I think I think we're always open to conversations. But again, like to to bring it back full circle, like I really I, a don't want to be ungrateful, and you know b just want to enjoy this for what it is. Uh, as long as they'll have me, I'll be more than happy to be here. See, that's the wrong answer, man. You know that your boss is going to listen to this. That's what you're supposed to say. <laughs> uh, you know, unless they give me more money, I, I'd look anywhere. You're right. If my boss is listening, um, after having ducked his head into the room and ruined half of this uh, a few minutes ago, I need more money or I'm leaving. <laughs> I only just sucked you into saying that because I want your job. That's all it is. I'm ready to move up onto your your spot, and this will hopefully get you canned. You and I both know that you, you don't strong arm Stu Myers. Absolutely, oh, not. Jesus, that's not going to no. happen. <laughs> there are there are very few people in the industry that that yeah no that's not going to happen. You just don't. You'll disappear very quickly. You've uh, had a chance to make some some great friendships, like you said, throughout the business. You've got a chance to work with some other people that, like you, have had a pretty meteoric rise. Who are some other people in the industry that you think people need to pay attention to, that that you look at and go, that's somebody who's going to be a big deal someday? Uh, How many can I do? It's a podcast. I don't have a time limit. You're not going to cap me? This is great. I'll do three. Uh, The first one is a complete no-brainer because I'm I'm sure his name has come up before and it would be stupid if it hadn't. Uh, That would be Adam Wilde because, you know... People might look at what Adam's doing right now and like what's what's gone on for Adam and all the things that he's uh, had go really really right for him and think like, well, he's probably been grinding it out for a long time. All things considered, hasn't been doing it very long at all. If you look at everything he's uh, either done or is doing, uh, and I just think that's so cool, especially because when I first got to Edmonton, uh, one of the things that uh, Tammy had told me was like, look, uh, I want to lay out a few different people for you to watch uh, and to try and learn from, and Adam was the first name she 
said. Uh, so I've always had a creepy one-eye-open kind of look at Adam. I've just lurked and stalked him from afar and was lucky enough to have him here in the building for about a year. Just a, a really, really good dude. So I'm a big Adam Wilde fan. Uh, the other two probably won't come as a surprise either, and I you know, would assume their names have come up. Uh, and again, it would be a travesty if they haven't. TJ O'Halloran, uh, who would be our... Uh, our afternoon guy now on Virgin and uh, Tyler Middleton at, uh, at X. I think uh, both of those dudes are ridiculously young for what they've gotten done. I think that's uh, that's a little bit frightening for uh, you know us guys who are a few years older than him. Uh, like we're oh, neither of us are, are that much older than either of those dudes. But like I just like I look at what both of those guys have done so far um, and the things they come up with, and I'm like, God, that's I'm so glad dudes like that are around because. You know, it gives me a lot of hope for the future, I think, of, like, where this whole thing can go for all of us. But it's also intended to be better. Like, those, those, those dudes are so important because they just continue to push guys like us to be better. I know, man. I'm 32. I look at all you kids, and I just flip tables in anger. <laughs> all right, man. Well, that is uh, going to do it, I think. Thank you very much. Oh, you know what? I want the advice. The advice. You've come from a mall basement in Winnipeg to the morning show in a major market. Along the way, you did some cool things and met some cooler people. What advice would you have for people in radio school who are are looking to make that same trek that you did? I would just preach modesty. I just I think that's the most the most important thing, and it might be one of the things that is lacking the most still. And maybe it's just because it's like a, a lack of uh, a lack of modesty is kind of inherent with with a gig like this and a stage like this. But I just think like that's the thing I've seen along the way that. that doesn't work is when you can't be modest it, it doesn't work out well for people uh and the ones that can stay modest and stay working hard really good things happen to them you know just just good stuff happens when you can remember that uh we aren't anything special because of what we do we're just really really lucky we have really cool jobs but that doesn't make us the coolest people on earth we're very very fortunate to have the stage that we have and i think it's also our responsibility to do good things with that stage thanks for taking the time man this was a lot of fun Thanks for having me, man. And I assume you're going to pick a Pitbull song for the spin of the week? Ooh. <laughs> Tempting as that may be. Actually, let me use a former dude tune. Can I do that to throw sure. it back to any of the three or four dude cast listeners that might be listening here? Uh, shout out to uh, both of you for listening for all 50 episodes if you were there for the whole thing. Let's do uh, the Tiny Dancer cover that Dave Grohl did on Craig Kilborn forever and ever ago. Tiny Dancer. Two words that strike a chord in the heart of every sensitive 32-year-old man in the country. A song, actually, I don't think I'd ever heard until I saw Almost Famous. So every night before going to bed, I thank Cameron Crowe for opening up a part of me that I don't think I ever knew until now. Blue jean baby LA lady Seems just for the band Pretty Pirate smile You'll marry a music man Ballerina 
You must have seen her Dancing in the sand Now she's in me Always with me A tiny dancer in my hand You know, let's skip all the other crap and just get to the chorus, like on that bus scene. What do you say? Now, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. There you go. Now, you know, what I really wanted to do is I wanted to recreate that timeless scene in uh, Almost Famous. I wanted to do kind of like a performance art piece where I have a, a little kiddie pool, and I jump in the kiddie pool, and then and on acid, and uh, and then someone uh, come and, and drape a towel around me, and then have uh, uh, you know Craig come behind me and and uh, sing along to the to the song. But I think what I'm going to need everybody to do is sing the chorus along, so we can really recreate that magic. Okay? Now I'm gonna count. I'm gonna give you a four count. Hey, this is my show! Alright, here we go. One, two, three, four. Hold me closer, tiny Always 
tiny dancer in my head. Okay, the teleprompter stopped. <laughs> so we gotta do the chorus one more time. Two, three, four. Listening to the Off Mic Podcast. Follow the show online at Off Mic Podcast on Twitter or like the show on Facebook. If there's a guest you'd like to hear on the show, email Off Mic Podcast at gmail.com. The Off Mic Podcast is a part of the Dolby Radio Network.